0: Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 461, and today I am so excited to share with you my next guest, someone that was on Shark Tank. Now, if you guys have been listening for any amount of time, you've probably heard every now and then me talk about Shark Tank and how I love watching the show. It's entertainment. I understand that. It's not all what you see on camera, not all the deals work that, you know, they signed with and all that stuff. I, I understand that stuff, but I love the concept and I also love listening to multi-millionaire billionaire type people and the way that they think. I love listening to why they don't do a deal. I like to hear why they do a deal because it gives me the mindset or what they're looking at as far as taking a business and scaling it, or if it's too small or what they see that they should do to make it work. Like I love listening to that stuff and I learn a ton through that. And it also kind of reconfirms maybe what I already kind of know, but I'm like, okay, so if they're doing it and I'm thinking I should do it, it's probably a good idea, right? Now here's the thing. And we're not going to be talking this entire episode about Shark Tank, but I did get a guest that was uh, on Shark Tank, and of course, I have to hear about the entire story, so that's what I do. But then we also talk about, and his name, by the way, is Andy Humphrey. I should have probably said that, but I'm so excited, I forgot to tell you his name. Uh, He was actually, I met Andy at one of our live events. He was at uh, our TAS uh, Breakthrough Live in North Carolina, we had one just outside of Charlotte, not that long ago, we did a list building, and uh, really how to launch your product using a list, and how to go out there and get influencers, and all that stuff, and since then, he's done really well, but what he is launching now, or what he's already launched in the past like eight months, had nothing to do with Shark Tank, and you're going to see, through his journey, that you know, it's kind of led him to where he is today. And he started multiple businesses all the way back in 1995 when he got his first start. And you're going to listen to exactly what he was selling. So you're going to want to stay stay tuned for that. And then how that kind of brought him into the next product. And then how the next business venture got, you know, on his radar. And, and like all of that stuff is through that story all the way back from 95. And just to let you know, he didn't get a deal on Shark Tank. Didn't get a deal walked away. And how do you recover from that? Right? Do you feel like you're 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 a failure? Do you feel like you're not going to be able to sell your product? Like there's things that probably go through your brain. Well, we're going to hear about that. All right? So we're going to hear about all of that, but we're also going to hear about his entire journey From being a, you know, an e-commerce seller in the very beginning in 1995, all the way till now and how things have changed and what things are really good that have changed and, and all of that stuff. So... I'm not going to take up any more time of explaining. I'm going to let him explain it because it's an amazing interview, and you're going to learn a ton, and I think it's just fascinating, but before we do, let me just remind you that the show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 461, and you can get all the show notes, the transcripts there, and if you guys are at all interested in attending one of our live events, which we are going to be doing uh, probably a couple in 2018 Definitely head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash live and you'll get any information there that we have posted. Uh, you might even get some highlights from some of our last ones, but when we do announce those live events, they usually sell out pretty quickly because they are small and intimate and uh, we will be doing more. So definitely go get on that uh, that early bird list. All right. So I'm going to stop talking so you guys can listen to this amazing interview that I did with my good friend, Andy Humphrey. Enjoy. Well, hey, Andy, what's up, man? How you doing?
1: Hey, Scott, doing great. Thanks so much for having me today.
0: No, man, I'm pumped to have you on. It's been a long time coming. You and I met in uh, North Carolina at, uh, well, no, actually, I take the back. We met in, at Seller Summit. You were there, and then you had told me there that you were going to be attending the event in North Carolina. Is that true?
1: Yeah, yeah. Seller so uh, Summit, yeah. We met up for some coffee um, yeah. the night before in North Carolina and uh, had a great conversation, and uh, we're, we're taking action.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was awesome. And when I had that conversation with you in uh, in that little coffee shop at that TAS meetup, we were kind of talking, and I'm I'm kind of starting to unpack some things there. And I'm and you're like, wow, you know, yeah, okay, I guess you got a point there. Maybe I should be doing that. And we'll talk a little bit about that stuff. But uh, you've got a lot of lot of stuff going on, and you've been doing this for quite a long time. And what I want to really do here is I want to kind of unpack your story. So people can see the journey because I think a lot of people just hear about the successes. They don't hear about the journey leading up to the success that you might've had three or four or five or however many failures along the way. And I don't look at them as failures. I look at them as just bumps in the road. And like you, you had said, uh, I think it was here or maybe in, in person where it's kind of like you you have a choice, right? You you can either at that point say, I got to go left or I got to go right, but you got to make a choice. Um, and for you, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you pick, you pick left or right and you go with it and see what happens. And then you make another decision down the line. So, um, so cool. So take us back in time a little bit. How did you even get introduced to e-commerce? And then what I want to do is I want to jump into a little bit. We won't spend too much time on the shark tank experience. So,
1: right. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, you know, and just kind of hit on your take a turn left, turn right. You know, I sort of consider, uh, those decisions sort of thresholds, right? You learn something and you cross a new threshold. Mm. Um, you know, and so to me, it's all about, uh, new opportunities to learn, uh, new skills and cross new thresholds. And when you cross a threshold, it opens up your eyes to a a whole nother um, horizon that you didn't see before. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So just to take you back, uh, back to 2005 and, uh, you know working my day job and uh there's only so much money that you can you know make in your day job even if it's uh, uncapped right it becomes hey this isn't worth my time right, right? to go make an extra 1500 or 500 right. right right and so um i uh you know started buying some domains you know and i always read uh, magazines like Inc., you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. entrepreneur and things like that and uh started buying some domains you know learning about the internet and uh, you know, one thing led to another, and I started selling Christmas lights on the internet. Oh, okay, uh, that I was really back fun, in 2005? Domain, 2005. 2005. Yeah, okay, started wow. Selling Christmas lights. Uh, nice. Found some uh, unique lights that uh, you know weren't sold in your typical uh, box stores or hardware stores. Okay. And uh, so they had a unique selling proposition, and uh, did pretty well. Uh, but at that point, I started to learn more about you know getting the average price up, and uh, and margin and competition. Mm -hmm. Uh, pay-per-click, and, uh, you know, the Christmas lights, uh, the manufacturer of the Christmas lights um, invented some Christmas storage products. And so uh, I, I, uh, you know, took a right turn and uh, decided not to uh, continue selling Christmas lights because the market was getting saturated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they were everywhere. LEDs were coming out. It was, was, you know, pretty saturated market. And uh, got into selling Christmas products uh, Christmas tree bags, wreath bags, ornament bags, light storage bags. And, uh, uh, and the opportunity was much better because the average ticket price was higher. Mm. Um, there were some downsides to it. It's a very seasonal, uh, business. And so it hits hard and then it's over.
0: Yeah. Right. Let me ask you this quick, uh, Andy, uh, where did you get the sourcing for this? Like, were you, were you just drop shipping? Were you wholesaling? Uh, were you private labeling back then? Like, what were you doing with those products? Yeah, the How Christmas did you get those lights?
1: Um, uh, the, the, uh, I was working for a wholesale uh, irrigation distributor that oh, okay. uh, was selling Christmas lights to contractors. Ah, okay. And so, what I would do is I would sell the Christmas lights um, online, mm-hmm. right? And I'd wake up in the morning and, hey, here's some orders. I'd go into work, buy the lights, and then uh, ship them. You know, stop at Staples on the way home and ship them out. Oh, wow. Okay. And then so it was always sort of like money in hand first, right? Okay. Get the money, <laughs> buy the lights, ship them out, and repeat.
0: Okay. So you didn't even need to have the inventory necessarily because the company Correct. had the inventory and you would just place your order by ordering them and buying them and then f- fulfilling them. I mean, you just make a margin on that.
1: Yes, exactly. Nice. nice. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and it okay. works similarly with the Christmas tree bags. Um, okay. The very first year uh, when the manufacturer released them, uh, they said, hey, Andy, why don't you try selling this Christmas tree bag? And, uh, you know, sure enough, I could sell it. And uh, I built a, a business around it and bought a domain name around it and started to build a brand around it. And uh, year two is when I had to start buying inventory. Ah, OK. So, you know, therein lies another threshold, right? Mm. Because manufacturers says, hey, Andy, it's February. We need you to put your order in for next December. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and then you're sitting you know? on them for a while. Right. Yeah. And I'm going, okay. I've never, uh, never written anybody a $50,000 check before, which seemed yeah. like a lot of money back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Check then, but commit to it. Otherwise. Yeah. 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 You're committing
0: to the order. Correct. Yeah. Now, let Let me ask you this too, because I know some people are asking or asking themselves, and and I'm curious. Like, what were you doing for traffic? Like, were you were you just basically doing uh, like Google AdWords or yeah. uh, banner yeah. ads? Was, like, what were you doing?
1: Click on on AdWords, and it was very profitable, right? So back in 2005, um, let's say a hundred dollar order, right? Mm-hmm. I could spend five dollars in PPC. Okay right? So the, the, the cost per acquisition was $5 or 5%. I got you. It's very low. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I basically became a PPC expert because that drove all the traffic. It was much quicker and much easier, um, to build, um, fantastic PPC campaigns with targeted landing pages, Mm -hmm. um, call to actions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sell through pay-per-click.
0: Okay. So that, that's how you were getting all your traffic. You weren't even really doing SER. Were you kind of doing it, but if it came, it came kind of thing.
1: Kind of, but I wasn't really, uh, you know, I, I wasn't patient enough, right. Yeah. I wanted <laughs> the, uh, the quick sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and our, the don't we isn't all my, isn't my skill set. So I'm much more of a uh, a branding, yep. um, yep. you know, visual. And so I could, I could make the PPC work for me really well.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you, again, though, let's kind of time out for a second. So you're looking at traffic. You're like, I got to get some traffic. I'm going to go to Google because that's where everybody's going. I'm going to start targeting keywords that people are searching for that would lead them to a sale. And I'm just going to learn that I'm going to become a master at that because that's where the traffic is. And when you did that, you became an expert in a sense on that for your product and for your market, but you immersed yourself in that. And again, that's kind of what I talk with people a lot, of, a lot about as far as like just in time learning, like you just focused on building that you had everything else kind of dialed in. You just had to fulfill the orders and stuff, but you just focused on how do I get the customer?
1: Correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I sort of felt like, you know, there was firms out there and there still are, you know, that focus on uh, PPC, yep. right. For a fee. Yep. And I always felt like, why would you charge someone a monthly fee per, for PPC when you can go sell products yourself and make mm, more money?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: There's yep. more money in the physical product sale than there is in charging someone a fee to do it. Yeah, and if you charge someone a fee to do it, you're just taking their margin away.
0: That's that's true. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Okay, cool. So you 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 get the the, the fork in the road, or not even the fork, the the turn, right, left or right. You're like, okay, where where do I go? You go into these uh, these storage uh, kind of, you know cases or whatever for the tree or for the lights and all that stuff. But now you have to start buying inventory. Uh, what was that like?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was nervous. You know what? It, when, uh, <clears throat> when you got to take a, take a loan out to buy inventory it, uh, you look at your business with a magnifying glass, mm. right? So every day, you know, I'm looking at the sales, I'm forecasting, you know, I'm, I'm seeing how quickly can I pay this loan back? Am mm. I going to be able to pay this loan back? And uh, watching it like a hawk
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how how did that first season go after you made that order and stuff? Like how was it? because you're basically waiting for the season to kick off? And when does the season really start to kick off for like Christmas lights and bags and stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, it starts to kick off right after Thanksgiving, okay. okay. And uh, you know, there's a lot of competition in that space uh, now, oh, sure. Um, but back uh, back ten years ago, what was really interesting is, you know, let's say the competition was the uh, box stores, right? Mm-hmm. Or the brick and mortar. Yeah. Well, after Christmas, so let's say it's January 15th, you know, what brick and mortar store is going to have Christmas items, right? Mm-hmm. So a, a storage bag for, for a Christmas item, you know, that's Christmas, that's not spring. So you mm-hmm. go into a brick and mortar store in the middle of January and you're bound to see a lawnmower, right? Right. And so, <clears throat> um, the there's a lag on when the, when the, when the uh, person needs the bag, right, and when it's available. Sure. Um, and so the box stores, the brick and mortars, don't have any Christmas items after Christmas. Right. So where are they going uh, to go? They do go? now, so, but they yeah. didn't then. That's yeah. right. So they went on the internet. So there yeah. was this huge spike. And of course, now there's most of the uh, brick and mortars have central warehouses and, sure. and they uh, have e-commerce as a part of the business model. But 10 years ago, they didn't.
0: Right, right. Now, that makes sense. All right. Cool. So, all right. Now that that's okay. That's your like start into the e-commerce world. You got your taste, you got your feet wet. Where does that lead you?
1: Right. Um, so that led me, uh, sort of back, uh, back into the lawn and garden space, uh, which is where I was working Okay. and, uh, uh, went to a trade show, went to the, uh, I think it was the national lawn and garden show okay. and, uh, looking for products, right? Okay. That's, I went to this show looking for products and uh, came across uh, push lawn mowers. Okay. And uh, you know, one thing led to another, and uh, uh, this—I uh, uh, guess they were a manufacturer, maybe okay. a more of a distributor, okay. uh, or both, uh, depending on which mower it was. And uh, they were uh, willing to drop ship. And uh, you know, I went right back to my sort of uh, branding, uh, branding self, and and uh, acquired the domain. Uh, ecomowers.com, okay. of course, right? Because the push mower was, you know, obviously very um, environmentally friendly. Sure, right? Most environmentally friendly mower you can have, and uh, and you know, and I really thought that the uh, the eco brand uh, was gonna was gonna be a great opportunity, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, felt like I could use the push lawnmower as the vehicle to uh, secure some trademarks and uh, build some intellectual property around eco lawnmowers. And, uh, you know, lawnmowers being more uh, harmful for the the environment than cars, I felt like, gosh, there's going to be a major manufacturer that wants to put the eco label on their lawnmower. Mm. Right. Why don't you know, John Deere and Toro will probably want to have the eco such and such a lawnmower to try Mm -hmm. to capture that uh, capture the corner of the market. Sure. Sure. Um, And so I launched EcoMowers.com and found a drop shipper and uh, started to uh, really sell a lot of push lawnmowers through EcoMowers.com. Oh,
0: wow. So, okay. So, and you kind of like, did you repeat kind of what you did with the other, the other, uh, you know, products that you were doing before you just did it in that space? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it, you kind of learned it, from it was, that. It was, and you, it was a rinse and repeat. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I, I love that because it, it's again, leading people through that story. It's like you did this, you learned a ton through that and you just took that same mindset and just brought it over and, and kind of plugged it into another market, another product another idea even another forecast cuz you're thinking now like possibly trademark possibly licensing like that type of stuff
1: which is cool yeah okay yep. okay and that did and that did pretty well um i would say it did really well for a short period of time um and then uh, and this would be right before amazon um started to take off and so you know what's interesting about amazon is that used to be uh, let's say 2006 7 and 8 mm-hmm. Uh, Outside of Google PPC, Mm -hmm. uh, my number one traffic source uh, was comparison shopping on Amazon, right? So placing an ad on Amazon that drove the traffic to uh, my website. Oh, okay. okay. And then I think around 2010, uh, they terminated that, right? Amazon wants Mm -hmm. all the traffic to stay on their site. But back in the day, that was my number one source. So if it wasn't on Amazon, right, they'd see my uh, product listing ad and uh, we'd shoot them over to our website and get the sale. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that makes sense. I mean, they're there looking for something, but it's not necessarily there, but they see yours and they, they go over and then you make the sale there. Obviously Amazon's like, no, no, we're
1: going to sell everything. So <laughs> we're not probably like a eight to 10% cost per conversion. So it was still okay. a profitable okay. um, sales okay. channel.
0: Okay. And, uh, okay. So you, you, you dabble in the, in the drop shipping space and stuff when does shark tank come into the, into the mix here? When did you lead me into that story? Because I kind of want to touch on that, go through that a little bit. Cause I'm curious. Cause I am a fan of the shark tank show and I know it's a show, but, uh, I just like watching and, you know, kind of going through that process. Cause it's my mindset. I like thinking business. Um, but take me through like, when does that even become something you're considering in the, pro- like in your mind? Like, why are you even thinking about shark tank?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think I was just, uh, you know, sitting at home watching the show, right? I think I was watching season one. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, enjoying myself, right? It's entertaining, liking the show. Sure. And uh, and I thought, gosh, I wonder how you get on this show. Yeah. And uh, if I remember right, I believe I just did a Google search and uh, came across an email address. And, uh, it wasn't a, you know, Joe at shark tank. It was just somebody's Yahoo email address. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> okay. And, uh, it might've been like, you know, shark tank casting at Yahoo or, you know, something yeah. like that. I yeah. don't recall, but it's not a paid uh,
0: domain. Like, you right, know, exactly. it's, it's a, it's a free, you know, Gmail or Yahoo account or whatever. Exactly. Right? Okay.
1: okay. And, uh, you know, I think I, uh, just wrote up a little story, you know, about the eco mower story and, uh, sent it off and, uh, and actually just sort of forgot about it. Okay. Uh, that was the thing of it. You know, I sent this email and, uh, basically forgot I had sent the email. And, uh, I think six months later, um, I got a phone call and I was traveling. I was out East and uh, I got a phone number. I looked at the caller ID and it was California, you know, and it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm thinking, ah, telemarketer, I let yep. it go to voicemail. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who calls me at 10 o'clock at night? Right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think I even checked the voicemail that night. I think I woke up in the morning, listened to the voicemail and it's, you know, some girl that says they got my email and, uh, they like to talk to me about, uh, you know, casting for the show. Oh, wow. And I just about my jaw, you know, hit yeah. the floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And, uh, I think that was probably early September. Okay. ish, right. And I, I believe they did the taping, in late October somewhere in that time frame Wow, that's and pretty so quick. it was pretty much like um a sprint right from there all the way through to the show um okay. interviews uh working with the um i guess the casting uh not casting director casting crew uh-huh. you know and they sort of want to take you to these different thresholds inside a shark tank. Okay. Where you're going to be interviewed with such and such. And if that goes well, you'll move to the next level. Okay. Kind of
0: so thing. it's a process. You're not just getting it's that one process. email and it's like, all right, yeah, we're going to book you. You go through the interview process.
1: Right. Right. And gotcha. I don't know if they, you know, if they set up 500 interviews or a thousand interviews and then they weed yeah. out the contestants along the way, I, yeah. I would assume. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, I, you know, let's say that the show uh, taping was a Monday, Tuesday. I don't recall exactly, but it was something like that. Um, I don't know that they told me that I was coming out there until like Thursday. You know, they sort of say like, hey, if we choose you, can you be available these dates? Right. And they keep you on the edge of your seat. Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, and they talk to you about what do you want your set to be like? And of course, for me, they said, hey, can you can you cut some grass on the show? Yeah. Go on. Well. I'm an entrepreneur. I can do anything. Yes. I'll cut grass on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and that, you know, so I, so there was a lot of homework that I had to do and legwork on finding a sod company and figuring out how I was going to get sod to the show. And of course they want to have a a backup plan and they want to do a, a pre, uh, you know, sort of a, uh, a pre-show edit and, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a trip. So
0: like, so like for all of that stuff, like you have to pretty much get all that stuff to the, to the set or to the show, or do you tell yeah, them what it was all on
1: me? So oh, wow. essentially each contestant is on their own. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's very fair in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I found interesting is we, we, uh, we all got to the hotel, you know, and we met with the coordinator and she handed out, uh, money to every contestant, uh, the same amount. I don't recall. Let's mm-hmm. just say it was $500, right? Mm-hmm. For expenses. Um, and if I wanted to have my set, uh, be different than someone else's, that was all on me to pay for and coordinate. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I rented a, I actually went out a few days ahead of time, uh, rented a pickup truck, uh, built a wood rack in the back of this pickup truck so I could have two layers of sod, uh, that weren't stacked on top of each other.
0: Okay.
1: And, uh, sort of figured all this out ahead of time. Uh, but that was all on me.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. That's crazy. All right. Um, all right. So you're, you gotta be like, uh, you gotta be out of your mind right now at this point, you're like, oh my gosh, like all this stuff's going on and I got to I want to make sure it's right. I want to make sure it doesn't go off without a hitch and, and all this stuff. And you're in probably in an unfamiliar area. Um, yeah, that just seems crazy. So, all right. So at that point when, okay, you're, you're, you're going to do the show now you get ready. You haven't met any of the sharks at this
1: point though, right? No, you don't meet any of the sharks ever.
0: Okay, um,
1: except for the time in front of uh in front of them. Okay. Okay. So you work with um I don't know the title. Let's just say it's a casting agent. Okay. Okay. So, you know, each casting agent and it might be different today, mm-hmm. uh each casting agent maybe had 5 contestants. Okay. Or 10 some number of contestants and uh we had regular calls uh with the casting agent, you know. Okay. So let's say for 2 weeks or three weeks uh, leading up to the show, I would do a call, um, let's say twice a week and, uh, run through the pitch. Uh, they would provide feedback, um, you know, uh, coaching right oh, okay. uh, before the show. And then, uh, you know, going into the show, you know, the casting agents, you know, that's how they, that's how they know what you're going to say on television ahead of time. Essentially, gotcha. Gotcha. you know, it, 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 it's, you know, it's somewhat predictable, right? Okay. It's a formula. And, okay. uh, they got to make, uh, they got to make great television. So, um, yeah, that's, so that's sort of what happens leading up to it.
0: Yeah. That's, you know, that's, I don't know. It, it It's funny because, you know, you, you see it on, on TV and you, and you know, you think it's, it's seamless and the guys just, you know, or people got on the show and stuff and it just kind of, it's pretty seamless, but it's, it's kind of choreographed in a sense where like you said, it's like, and I know that like it's a show. I mean, I like, I like gold rush too. And I know that that's kind of like, they, they pick the best stuff, but they also, they have what they want to get. They, they want to leave you on at the end of the seat when the truck's about ready to tip into the thing, but it really doesn't tip in. Cause that's commercial break. Uh, they want you to come back, but, um, it's just interesting to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit. So at this point, and again, I'm going to, I want to get to the meat of, of why I wanted John, but I I just find this interesting. But so at this point you get on there or you're getting ready. They open the doors. You're going out there. Do you hear the music that we hear on TV? Is it, is it the, the shark tank music?
1: Gosh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there was any music. No, okay. so you I just walk out. It was silence. All I could hear was my heart beating.
0: Yeah, the, <laughs> I was gonna say the doors open and you're thinking. I mean, me personally, I would. People would say like, "Oh no, Scott, you're great. You're on, you know, podcast, You know, you do videos and all that stuff." I I would be afraid. I'd I'd mess something up as far as like you know the routine that I, that I had, had rehearsed. You know what I mean? Or because everything seems to be like in the presentation, they have like certain things that they say that you know lead you know back to the product, but then also they want to make it funny and catchy and all that. I, I would feel like I, I would mess that up.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And, it, and it's likely that a lot of the funny and catchy, you know, comes from mm-hmm. editing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. um, there's a lot of, um, of good editing that, that happens to sure. make uh, television magic. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, at least when I was there, there was, there was sort of two sets. So we sort of taped, we taped, um, what would look like, uh, you know, somebody sort of getting ready to open the doors? Okay. Sort of like the pregame, you know, yep, yep. looking nervous and uh, and then uh, there's another set where the where the sharks are, and uh, you know that door opens, and the first thing I saw was this giant camera on wheels, you know, staring at my face. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. And you just sort of, uh, you know, walk down the hallway, right? Yeah. Uh, and so when the, when you're watching on television and you, you see somebody walk down the hallway, well, there's a camera right there on wheels, you know, rolling in front of them. And uh, so that was a little bit nerve-wracking. Um, and wow. you walk in and there's your little, whatever it was, X or piece of tape on the floor. Yep. And, you know, boom. boom, you stand right there and then... You just repeat the pitch that you've been working on with the casting agent for the last couple of weeks.
0: Okay. All right, cool. And then you start to get some feedback from them and, you know, we don't have to go into all the ins and outs, but they pretty much, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't care for, for your pitch or for the product. Is this correct?
1: Right, right. right. Yeah. There was a, it was a no deal. It was, a, it was a no deal. Now, who were the sharks for you? Let's see. It was, uh, Damon, uh, Jeff Foxworthy,
0: um, was Mr. Wonderful there.
1: Mr. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then was Barbara or was it uh, Lori?
1: Uh, Barbara.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't have Mr. Cube in there. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: season two. So they were still doing some guest. Uh, okay. Guest sharks gotcha. and, uh, you know, sort of leading up to the show, they 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 sort of put you and uh, put you, but um, every everybody has their own little. Uh, casting room. So Mm -hmm. a white room with a couch and then there's a little snack room. And so all the contestants sort of are sort of hold up camp in, in their, uh, in their little rooms. Okay. And it was, it was really fun to see behind the scenes, you know, essentially shark tanks in this giant warehouse in, uh, um, in Hollywood or not Hollywood, but, uh, that's studio city. Okay. And, uh, you know, and then they set up a a set right in this Mm. giant warehouse. It was really fun to see, uh, behind the scenes, you know, and then you make your pitch you go back to uh, your casting room, um, and then uh, I don't know if I can talk about it. I guess uh, then they then they brought in like a. a a psychiatrist, just to make okay. sure that uh, contestants are okay. Oh, yeah, that know, makes sense. What happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it kind of does make sense. Yeah, do yep, so they yep. have any questions, concerns? Well, right? especially if you didn't get a deal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? <laughs> you only get and a psychiatrist then, uh, if you didn't get a deal. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But there's no hanging out and shaking hands with the sharks and, uh, okay. you know, socializing. And uh, and then you basically get on a bus, go right to the airport, and you're out of there. Wow.
0: okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting, man. I appreciate you sharing that. But now you didn't get a deal. Um, and, you know, what are you thinking at this point? Like you just did all this work and everything. Now, the one thing is, and you can see sometimes people, they don't even care if they get a deal because they just want the exposure. So, you know, and you can hear sometimes the sharks call them out on that. Um, like, what was your thoughts in your head at that point? Like what happens next?
1: Right, right. And actually, I'll touch on exposure a little bit, right? Yeah. So because uh, I was coming from an e-commerce background, um, I knew the numbers, right? I knew mm-hmm. what a lot of visitors was or, or should be. Mm-hmm. And I was actually surprised. Um, and of course this was back in 2011. There was only maybe, uh, so the show aired on a Friday, you know, so through that weekend, I think there was 15,000 visitors. Wow. Right. So not, not a lot, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And you're going, okay, at PPC, I could buy this traffic for X amount. Right. Yeah. You, you would think, <laughs> you would think hundred thousand, Totally, right, right, right. Totally, right, right. Okay, yeah. uh, okay. And it could be that my product didn't, you know, the, the consumers didn't identify as much, right? It's an expensive item. It it, um, you know, maybe wasn't as identifiable, so there, maybe mm-hmm. there wasn't as much traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was my my biggest surprise was the traffic uh, mm. was much lower than I would have thought.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because sometimes I'll just go search a product, even if I'm watching like a you know a repeat or something, right? And I haven't watched one before. I'll just go and kind of look and see where the product is now you know, whether they worked with them or whether they didn't and kind of see if the websites changed or if the, you know what I mean? So sometimes I'll, I'll kind of do that, but, um, not necessarily to buy the product, I guess, but kind of curious to see what the brand's doing now or whatever. Right. Um, right. So anyway, all right, man, that that was a great story. So at at this point though, like you get to know, what do you do with that company and kind of let's move on and kind of get into your Amazon now, you know, your current business that you're building and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, I was on the show in 2011 is when it aired. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had just started um, another uh, e-commerce business, okay. uh, the sprinklersupplystore.com, sprinklersupplystore.com. Okay. And uh, so I was about one year into that business and that business was really starting to take off. Um, and the one thing that I learned from from all the e-commerce businesses leading up to that point was they were all one product sales, Mm, right? So I would capture these customers inexpensively, uh, make a margin on the product, and then that was it, right? Mm -hmm. Then I'd find another customer, another customer, another customer. And because the cost of acquisition was so low, that model was working well. Sure. Uh, But as the advertising costs went up, I I did not have an opportunity to resell uh, products to those customers. Mm. And so um, as I started Sprinkler Supply Store, that's that was uh, that was the model that I was trying to, to go after was the repeat business. I want gotcha. to sell more things and I want to have this customer for life and really uh, try to target that lifetime customer value.
0: And that company, though, was that targeting uh, like businesses?
1: Yeah, both. You know, OK, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, as well as businesses, as well as city municipalities. Really, it's the uh, you know, the wholesale or the professional uh, lawn sprinkler. Uh, market
0: and because I'm I'm kind of thinking in my own head I'm like like you know someone that's doing like underground sprinkler systems Correct. or whatever you're buying parts all the time as a contractor or as a business that's having contractors do the work so I'm thinking like is that your repeat customer or is it also like me that's you know I got a sprinkler head that went bad and I got to go get a new one. And I may need something in the future, or are there other products that aren't just for the system, I guess?
1: yeah, you kind of hit it it's it's both you know the okay. uh, the the professional underground sprinkler contractor is going to have a much larger ticket, sure, and uh, probably a bigger discount mm-hmm. and uh, the homeowner might buy one to ten sprinklers you know once gotcha. or twice a year gotcha. right so so it's both, and you know okay. the the professional contractor has relationships in the trade which which are great, and uh, there's a lot of contractors that are either smaller or they live uh, a long distance from a supplier. So the internet makes sense for them. Mm. Okay. Okay. Or they don't have a relationship with a supplier. So we kind of work side by side, uh, in the, in the trade, you know, so we don't really target the, the big contractors that have the relationships. It's sort of the tier two and tier three.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You know, so again, you, you evolved this whole thing, right? You, you you got into another business. Now you started thinking, well, I want to get more than just the one sale. I want them to be able to come back. Maybe even target businesses. I, I think if you can if you can figure out a way to target a business, I think that that's always an advantage because they're always going to be buying, you know, whether it's supplies or just, you know, office supply, whatever it is, right, for for the business or just different things, accessories. Um, I mean, I think about like even like notepads, right? Like if someone, you're going to go to Staples maybe, but if you find that you're going to buy notepads over and over again, you're going to keep reordering from that same company. It's kind of like a recurring model mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, a sense. Mm-hmm. So I like yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so, so kind of leading into, into Amazon, yeah. you know, we, we started selling uh, sprinkler parts on Amazon, I want to say around 2000, maybe 13, 14 mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, sort of really learn the ins and outs of, of Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and at this point we're still selling what I call other people's products. Okay. It's not really retail ARB because we have, uh, drop shippers and suppliers and we do stock some of our own, you know, but it's other people's products. Sure. And, uh, sure. and so because of that, uh, we don't have the margin and, uh, and, and the listings on Amazon, you know, there's 10, 20 mm. you know, people on these listings. Mm. And so it's very, uh, competitive mm-hmm. and, uh, you know and and i'm seeing what's going on in the marketplace and i'm i'm you know seeing the consumer products um you know channel kind of change from selling name brand items to private label mm. right and is that kind of so where that, you got
0: your idea where like i, I yeah, might want to start this okay
1: yeah yeah exactly uh i should be i you know i have this e-commerce background mm-hmm. um, i just need to tap the private label market and combine those two mm. um You know, and so that was uh, so going into 2017, you know, that was sort of the mission for this year is Mm -hmm. learn as much as we can about the private label side of the business and uh, hence coming to North Carolina and, uh, you know, learning from you um, and uh, sort of uh, been a game changer. So we're we're going to uh, likely take what we learn uh, from the private label, uh, our private label study and then apply Mm -hmm. it to Sprinkler Supply Store.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And, you know, that's what you and I were talking about because you had a brand new product and a brand new market kind of, Um, you know what I mean? But it's kind of like, you know, you and I were talking and I'm like, we got to tap into the sprinkler side of things. You got a lot of customers there, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I probably should. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. You threw out like a crazy number, like 100,000, you know, past customers. I'm like, Damn, like, you know, we got to tap into that. Like, and then that got your wheels turning again. You're like, oh, yeah, I, maybe I kind of, you know, went over that and maybe I should go back to that and address it because I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, and you've got customers. I know now we can retarget right. them and all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, North Carolina was cool because you were kind of like at that beginning stage where you, you know, you had the product picked. You, you know, you kind of went with something you thought was going to be different in the market. It wasn't going to be something that everyone else was going to have. It's going to be a little bit harder to manufacture. So you kind of, kind of took all those skills that you had had and kind of brought it in, in a, in a new brand, in a new product. Um, and I think what you really were doing there was figuring out how we were going to launch it and get some, get some sales, really feed Amazon what they want, which is sales. Um, how has that been since we met in North Carolina?
1: So it's been fantastic. Um, and I'll, I'll set the stage just a little bit. So, um, the product that uh, that we're running with and it's going great um, is not something we discovered on jungle Scout so we do have some of those mm-hmm. and uh, and they're and they're working and it's mm-hmm. going it's going well sure uh, but we had uh, somebody call in to our um, one of our other stores yep. and uh, talk to uh, one of my Kristen one of my customer service reps and uh, said gosh you know if you guys could make such and such a product for this market it would be it would sell like crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and we thought, gosh, we don't know anything about this market. Let's go mm-hmm. learn about it, right? Yeah. And so uh, we did some research and uh, found out that there was um, large Facebook communities and um, that the that the item that, that we should make was was missing in the market. It was a void, mm-hmm. right? So as we looked through the Facebook communities and learned about this this um, this market, uh, we found a hole. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we when we went to launch on Amazon. This was not a category that already existed, right? So we weren't going in and uh, there was no product research we could do, right? right? We could guess based on some similar items. And so, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't do, I couldn't use Jungle Scout to look and say, hey, if we can spend this on PPC and get on page one, we're going to sell 350 units a month. Right. There wasn't any data like that. Right, and right. so what we needed to figure out was how to get this uh, item to sell, uh, when there's nothing like it on amazon,
0: yeah well, and and I think for you, you were looking at the market size. You were looking at um, kind of accessory kind of related. Um I just did a video yesterday like on the Dyson, right? Like, so if you have a Dyson vacuum, I bought one for my father for Christmas, well, there's attachments and there's other things for that that you can uh, that you can sell or other you know other products that you can sell to other vacuums. you know what I mean? and but there was maybe nothing in there. Maybe there's something for that vacuum that doesn't exist right now that I could come up with. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Like exactly. Starting from there. But the one thing that you had was you had some feedback from some of your past customers that said, you know, if you made something for this, I think it would do really well. But it's still that's a hunch. It's not like proven. Right. It's not. But you knew that the market was definitely buying. And I think that's a that's a, a big thing. You weren't inventing a new a new product for a, a new market that didn't exist. The market existed. There's there's raving fans. Let's say there's there's uh, you know people consuming content. If, if it really checked all the boxes, it's just you had a product that was going to be different that no one was offering yet. And um, and being first to market, I think, is key.
1: Right, right. So it's an accessory. It would, it'd be kind of like your you know your your Jeep analogy, right? Yes. Here, yes. You know, there's this community that uh, of Jeep lovers. Yep. Uh, but there's this one accessory that doesn't exist in the market. But if it did, we think we can sell X amount because yep. there's a fan base. Yep.
0: Yeah. And and so let me ask you this. So again, I mean, you've got a little bit, probably more than others, as far as like a risk. You know, uh, you know, you're you're willing to take a little bit more of a risk because you've been in the game a while. You kind of, you know, you're you're okay with it. You understand it. What it, what do you go in with the mindset that you're going to test and you know, knowing that it may not work, like it may not it may not work. Right? I mean, you're you're still thinking. I think it's going to.
1: But you still, there's
0: no proof it's going to.
1: Right, right. So there's risk on inventory. Uh, There's risk on, can we sell this at the price we think we can sell it? Ah, yes. Uh, Right. But if we're the only one in that space, I think we can, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my general principle is you can always lower the price, but it's very hard to raise the price, right? So if you're going to go into a market, start at the top of the market. Right. And build a quality brand with perceived value uh, mm-hmm. by being a little bit higher priced. And then you can introduce, you know, items that have less features and they're cheaper and you can lower that price. So sure, sure. that was one of the risk factors was, OK, well, we'll go into it at, at, uh, at a higher price. Uh, and if we were to drop it by 50 percent can we still make money and liquidate the rest of this inventory if it's a bunk item mm, that's great yeah
0: so what's I mean, people are gonna be asking like so what what is the price range like where yeah so top the average
1: market? you know we got a couple different um variations and mm-hmm. so the av- the average price is about 40 dollars.
0: okay okay and is that what you were going in at that you wanted yeah. to be able to get
1: for it yep. okay cool yeah all right. And
0: how has that, how has the market responded?
1: Like, and it's been, you know, so we probably have one. So I, I'm a big fan of, you know, keep raising the price until you get pushback. Right. Yep. And that's how yep. you measure, you know, the prices. It's okay to have uh, a certain percentage of people complain that it's too high of a price. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fine. Right. Because yep. the other 95% are okay with it. Sure. So we're probably at that, you know, five and a hundred, maybe even less. Um, okay. We probably just don't capture the sales from the people mm. that don't want to pay that. Yeah, right, they want the $20 version. Okay. Um, okay. Had very few people complain about the price. So I think okay. we're right in our sweet spot.
0: Okay, cool, cool. And okay, so now let's, let's talk about this. What was the, what was the launch plan? What what did you do to, to get buzz? What did you do to, to get some sales coming in the door? Cause we know that that's what Amazon wants, right?
1: Right, right. So the launch plan was to build an email list, mm-hmm. right? Um, we kind of followed the uh, amazing seller launch uh, strategy. Okay. Um, And so we did a giveaway, so we uh, used Giveaway Boost, um, uh, built a WordPress site, added Giveaway Boost, and, uh, uh, you know, looked for um, influencers and people that we could put this um, banner or advertisement either for free or paid uh, for the giveaway. Okay. And uh, that worked well. I think we had maybe, maybe we generated a list of, I don't know, 5,000 emails, let's say. Okay. And, uh, and that would go, we'd find people that would do it for free. And then we'd find people that would say, yeah, let me send you my media packet. You know, usually people start out at about $5,000 for ad <laughs> placement. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> we're not going to go to them, but okay. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And so, and I would just say that that was a little harder than, uh, than we thought, you know, when we were in North Carolina, you did a great job uh, of sort of, uh, explaining the process for how to find these people, right? How to go into Instagram, run a search, you know, find, uh, somebody that, um, You know is in that space contact them, you know and just make a list. So basically we made a list right we found all these different influencers and people uh, talking about um, similar items and uh, contacted as many as we could and uh, some are very open and we built relationships with them some we never heard from and, uh, and we built this great launch list. And uh, when the, when the item was released we had a, we had great uh, sales um, initially uh, because people were sort of waiting for it also okay. right yeah, so we sort yeah. of did this trickle slow release let us let me tell you about this item here's what it is here's what it's going to do here's a video so we've kind of had these people waiting to buy it yeah and uh, fortunately or unfortunately we missed prime day we didn't have our inventory we missed it by about a week
0: oh, so it was okay. in the
1: states it was stateside but it didn't quite make it to Amazon's warehouse in time
0: mm. How many units did you start with, Andy?
1: Uh, we started with 1,000 units. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. yeah,
1: in two different variations. Okay. And, uh, so basically 500 of each. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was probably 75, 25. Cause okay. You know, gotcha. One was going to be a better seller than the other. Gotcha. Okay. Okay.
0: So you go ahead, you, you, you get going, you optimize your listing, you do all that stuff that we talk about and, uh, and you start getting some sales. What happens after you kind of get through the honeymoon stage? You know what I mean? Like, you know, things are coming in, the sales are coming in. Um, what happens after that? And kind of, right. What so do? there's
1: probably, probably two things. One is I was keeping an eye on inventory, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I knew that, okay, once this thing starts to sell, uh, I'm going to need to reorder. Sure. Uh, And so, uh, I, I missed that by about three weeks. So we sold out of our number one, um, and had to wait about three weeks, uh, for the next shipment to come in.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so we missed that. But then what we did is we said, gosh, we really need to sort of, um, sort of build a name for ourselves in this niche. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and we and so uh, we, we got active on these Facebook communities and we started doing Facebook lives. Oh, OK. OK, so we, we now do a regular weekly uh, Facebook live where we, we don't really talk about our product because that's not the point. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we have it sitting there, mm-hmm. uh, but we talk about other things in that space, um, gotcha. helpful tips. And, uh, and we do a, a weekly uh, live that generates great content. And, uh, it also provides value to, um, to our fan base.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's huge. I, I, again, I, it's hard for some people to understand that, that you're not just driving after the sale, but you're, you're, uh, you're building community in a sense, but also just goodwill and, and people will naturally come back and want to either, you know, consume more of your content or maybe purchase, you know, when the time comes.
1: Yeah. And it's likely consume more content, you know, so it probably is going to be, they'll consume, you know, 10 or more pieces of content and value for mm-hmm. every time they make a purchase. Sure. And, and, and that's great, you know, and I think um, you got to know your product and you got to like your product and you got to like the niche that it's in. Mm. And we're fortunate enough here that one of our team members um, uh, you know, in her personal time, is in this niche, okay. right? So she knows this niche. Oh, great! And uh, and that really helps um, because then she can speak from the heart instead of from a script. Yeah,
0: right? yeah, yeah. No, that's huge. And again, I talk to people a lot of times. I'm like, you know, look around you at people you're dealing with, like in in and that you're conversing with, and that you're like you. You had someone that was, you know, part of your team or whatever. Like. There's people that are doing something or that would be that would love to do something because they're passionate about something or they enjoy that thing. Like whether it's the guy building the car on the weekend in his garage and you filming some of that, like it's it's just going out there and figuring out that piece if you aren't the one that's going to be the face.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I would say that especially as you as you start, right? So if you're going to start a business, it should be in a niche that you know and that you love and that you're an expert in. If you're going to buy a business, it doesn't really matter as much because mm. a business is already uh, has legs and it's it's off the ground and it has yeah. the nuts and bolts and pieces and parts. But um, you know, I think probably a lot of the listeners here are thinking about starting an Amazon private label business. And I think it would really help if they, if they liked their product, they don't need to marry it. They don't want to get attached to it because you might need to let it go if it's yeah. not a winner, yep. but you should like the niche.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree a hundred percent. So, okay. So, you know, you, you you missed prime day, uh, but you know, so what, you know, you moved on. And, uh, so let's just kind of fast forward. So, you know, after that kind of happens, I'm sure you're running some pay-per-click and you're, you're, you're getting sales and stuff through that. And probably even some organic stuff at this point, uh, you know, so leading into fourth quarter, um, how was that? Because I know that you're probably trying to predict, you, you don't have a season under your belt yet. Right.
1: Right. So we sort of doubled down on our next, uh, next shipment, right. Okay. Next order, you know, um, ordered, uh, twice as as many. Mm-hmm. And, uh, When it first came in, what we did is, uh, and we got a huge spike for this, you know, this strategy really worked well. Uh, we reached out to the community, one of the communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, so some of the Facebook communities, you know, don't like advertising, right? Which, which makes a lot of sense and some do, and some have rules about it. Um, so anyway, we, we, you know, played fair in one of the communities and, um, offered a discount coupon. Actually, I think we offered the discount coupon to an influencer and then oh. they rolled out, you know, the opportunity. Gotcha, gotcha. And, okay. uh, and that, um, that one, uh, you know, that one discount alone, I think brought us over a hundred sales or almost 200 sales in a wow. day, wow. just a giant spike. What and, kind uh, of
0: discount was that Andy?
1: It was a 50%.
0: Okay. Okay. So pretty aggressive. Pretty, pretty aggressive. Now
1: what we did is because we knew we were going to get a lot of sales and uh, you know, anyway, right or wrong, I raised the price on Amazon, then offered the discount. So ah, okay. we, it wasn't quite as much of a, uh, a gotcha. loss. We we're trying to break even, right? So, sure. that, so basically we knew, Hey, we're going to get all these eyeballs. Let's just add a little bit to the price and we'll mm-hmm. offer this 50% and people care more about the 50% than right. they do about the end dollar sometimes. Right?
0: right, right, right. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of discount they got.
1: Right, right. And we were sitting at, I think, uh, in this category, we were right around 17, 18 in our rank. Okay. And uh, it brought us up to number three. Whoa. Right. Whoa. So that also, what that also did is it really showed me what the volume needs to look like to get to number three. Right. Mm. So if we are at number three, here's how many units we're going to be selling. Yeah. How many actual units it is going to How many take. actual units it takes to get to number three. Yep. Um, and for our item, because it's the most expensive item in this accessories category, it's not uh, sustainable because some of these items are like $8, right? Right. And so it's these, it's these other accessories that, uh, that are going to stay in the top 10. You know, we'll probably hover somewhere between 10 and 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know I know the, what the volume looks like to be sitting in that top three.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, and that's great data because if you want to just have a spike, then you just got to say to yourself, let me bump my list. Let me get some eyeballs for maybe even something that's coming up. You know, maybe it's an, an, another big day coming up or maybe the traffic is going to be increasing because Amazon's doing some, you know, prime day and whatever, another month or whatever. Like you right. can kind of gear up for that a little bit, and get you kind of rooted,
1: um, which I think is. Yeah. Important. And, and I think some of these other accessories we're going to sell also. Right. So some of our items are going to be unique and a higher value and innovative mm-hmm. and others are going to be more me too items. Right. Mm. And so I, I it's nice to know what the volume looks like for those me too items.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Awesome, man. So, all right. So at this point, you know, you're, I mean, we're recording this in fourth quarter, things are rolling along. How does inventory look for you? Are you, placing the next order like where where are you in that process and yeah, yeah
1: we're it's selling a little bit um, I can't say it's selling faster than you would like because I'll take more sales before I'll take you know and run out sure. of inventory before sure. I'll take slow sales absolutely <laughs> uh, but we'll yep. probably have another hole uh, we do have inventory that's been ordered and I ordered it uh, to try to get it ahead to ship ahead of the Chinese uh, holiday mm. right since the factory shut down for sure. anywhere from two to four weeks Sure. and so that's the plan uh, our next shipment will be, will be leaving port uh, before that that, um before that holiday I may have to um, air freight some of the items mm. uh, but I think we'll make it through we'll make it through fourth quarter and then at some point uh, in January you know towards the end of January we will sell out
0: Awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm so happy for you, man. Because I, I. mean, when when we first talked, it was kind of like that. It was like, oh, I think this is going to do well. Uh, you don't know until you do it. And here you are. You did it, and it and it worked. Um, doesn't mean that the next product's going to do as well, the next one. But you know that because you've had other businesses and you understand that it's part of the process. You know, it's like you're learning through this process. And and I think now you've got this under your uh, under your belt and you've you got you've got one product that you've done it with. Um, now, are you going to be taking some of this again and kind of applying it to the other businesses that you have?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this particular uh, the pri- this private label uh, brand is going to expand. Right. So there's probably somewhere around 10 accessory items, mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to make, uh, to fill out the brand and then we'll take it offline off. I shouldn't say offline off Amazon. Sure. Uh, onto our own store and, uh, and generate emails and, and all that and really build out this brand outside of Amazon. And then we're going to take the, you know, sort of this, um, this private label study and see what we can do to apply it, uh, into the, uh, lawn and landscape industry.
0: Yeah, love it, love it, and I love it how you say the private label study. It's it's (laughs) well, you know what I mean. It's you're right. You're like you're you understand that this is like an education as well. Like you're you're going through this and you're figuring out what works, what doesn't work, and you know that you you might launch ten accessory products and five of them aren't going to work. You're okay with that. Like you just cut them and work on the five that are. I think that's key. And then you also have that vision of going outside because you, you've you experienced that outside. You know that there's traffic there. You know not everyone's going to buy an Amazon, although there's a lot of them are. Um, but I think also building even like a little mini funnel with like two, three, four products, even with a free plus shipping offer is a whole nother animal that you can then throw money at that at the front end and, and see what comes out in the back end. So there's so much that you can do and you understand it. And it's just awesome to uh, to kind of hear how you talk about it like a study, like you know, you're going to school for this. And in a sense, you are. And um, when people understand that. They don't, they don't look at it like, well, I got to put a dollar in and get a dollar out tomorrow. You're, you're, you're learning through that process that will eventually get that dollar back.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah. And it's, you know, and it look, you look past, and if I look back over the 10 to 15 year e-commerce landscape, you know, at the beginning it was a search, click, buy, that mm-hmm. was the funnel search, yep. click, buy, search, click, buy. Right. Well, now the funnel, you know, could be 20 clicks long. It's so diverse mm-hmm. and different. Um, that the only way to understand it today is to learn it right yeah. to actually take the time to to go to workshops like yours and actually learn the process and experiment yeah. you know and be okay with losing money everybody yeah. has a different threshold of the amount that they're willing sure. to lose sure. but you got to be willing to lose money because that's your education yeah yeah
0: no that's that that's great great advice um all right man let's let's wrap this up uh, is there anything that you would like to share with anyone listening as far as like, I mean, any other last minute tips and bits of advice? You've got the floor, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say that, um, you know, just get started, right? Um, think about uh, the amount of money that you're willing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not, um, you have more control over the money that you lose uh, versus just shelling it out at the casino. But there's a very True. good likelihood that you will lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure that if you do lose it, um, you're learning so that you can take another step. Right. Yeah. And and so the path from point A to point B is a right turn, a left turn, another left turn, a right turn. And and every week or month or quarter, there are going to be left and right turns. And you have to just be willing to keep on uh, taking turns along the way until you get there. And really, yeah. frankly, you never get there. Yeah. So it's all about the process. <laughs> it, it's about the
0: process. And and it's about to me, it's about like the climb to get there. Right. It's like we're we're always we're, you know, we can always say like, well, once I get that thing done, I'll be happy and I can relax. How many times have you said that? Like, gosh, I've said that in my own house. I'm like, once we get that project done, I'm good. I'm done. I don't need to do anything else. Then all of a sudden three months go by and I'm starting to think about another project. You know, right, it's like right. one of those things. It's just, you're, you're never going to be really happy unless you are growing. And that's what Tony Robbins has always said. And I'm a big fan. And I, I agree with that. If you're not growing, you're dying. And, and I believe that when you're in this, like you and I, we're just. Our DNA is to build something, right? It's like, right, right. And, and it's like to see what happens. Like when you do this, what happens when you plug this in, what happens? And I, I just was having this, this uh, conversation with a friend of mine and I kind of related it to a bit to uh, football. I'm like, you know, you run a play and it doesn't work. You don't just stop. You run another play and then you try to figure out what to do next. Um, and that's all that we're really doing here is you don't know until you put that thing in the game or you insert that play in the game and then you get to decide like what Absolutely
1: and and that's a great way to say it. I would say you get in the game. Right. So by taking action, that's another way to say it is just get in the game. Yeah. Right. If you order something from China, you are in the game. As soon as you take one step, you're in the game. So get in the game. Yeah. Love it. All right, Andy. I'm gonna let you go. You got a ton of things going on. I know you do, man. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. (laughs)
0: All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Keep me posted though. We'll probably have to have you come back on and do another update.
1: Okay, we will do.
0: All right, Andy. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, so that was amazing. I love that Andy is so transparent and he shared everything with us, everything including the Shark Tank experience, what led up to that, uh, you know, everything after that, and all of his plans really moving forward, and just his thoughts and his mindset. And I think you guys can take a lot away from that. There's no secret sauce here other than You need to go out there and focus and take action, and you also have to be willing to pivot, all right? And what we mean by that is is if you see something else that might lend itself to your current business or even if it means getting rid of a product in a business or even that business in itself, then it may be time to move on, and you have to be aware of that, and you have to be willing to do that and not marry the product or the business, all right, so just a lot of great takeaways. Probably going to want to go back and listen to that one again. Definitely going to want to go to the show notes and the transcripts because everything will be outlined there for you at theamazingseller.com forward slash 461. And then again, you know, I met Andy at one of our live events. So uh, if you want to attend one of our live events and meet great people like Andy, then definitely head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash live, and we can notify you when we are going to be doing our next live event and uh, meet people like Andy and everyone else there that attends. I mean, it's just an amazing experience. If you ever get the opportunity to do it, I would say do it. There's a lot of great people there and uh, people that are doing stuff that are actually taking action, and Andy is a perfect example of that. All right, guys, so that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Remember, as always, I'm here for you, I believe in you, and I am rooting for you.